0: The intersection of our faith in the world is a battlefield strewn with debris of a fallen world. It challenges even the hardiest souls. And yet, this intersection is the context of our faith. As courageous Christian warriors, we must navigate this difficult terrain in our personal walk and as we seek to bring Christ to those who are lost and struggling. Over the last year, we've talked about the insurgency which grips this nation. We've said it is an extension of the devil's rebellion against God designed to overthrow our nation under God. And we've made two very important points about its nature. It seeks political legitimacy and influence over our population, and there is no geographical reference for his efforts. There is no beachhead to establish or bridge to blow up. Rather, it's about swaying people through lines of operations, which target every aspect of their lives. Two weeks ago, we talked to Sean Griffin about one of these lines of operations, information operations. The information operations which the enemy uses to deny Americans access to God's truth while forcing their twisted lies down our throats. And that episode's available on podcast at CourageousChristianity.today or KKHT.com. Today, we have a very special guest on the show, and we're going to talk about another of the enemy's lines of operation economics. Nothing happens without money, and that includes evil. And to better understand that, Hayden Ludwig joins us from the Capital Research Center, which studies the enemy's use of finances and specifically nonprofit organizations. Hayden, welcome. I'm
1: glad to be with you. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much. As always, I'm joined by and so grateful for Christy Stratton, my loyal wingman.
2: Hello, everyone.
0: And before we begin, I do have to remind you that as a colonel still serving in the Marine Corps Reserves, I have to preface my comments by saying that these are my personal views and they do not necessarily represent the Department of Defense or the Department of the Navy. Please pray with us. Heavenly Father, we come to you today restored to you by the sacrifice of your Son, Each of us gifted uniquely, having been called into your service. We know there is much work to do and that you rely on us to do it, empowering and walking with us. And Father, you have said, do not be discouraged because of this vast army, because the battle is yours. And so, Lord, we come into your presence today, asking for that understanding and strength to do our part. Help each of us to know your plans and our unique part in those plans and help us to know the truth which will lead us in this present darkness as a lamp to our feet. We thank you for those who serve at KKHT to give voice to your truth. We thank you for our listeners, and we thank you for our guests, asking that you bless the words we speak and the hearts which hear them. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hayden, welcome. How are you?
1: I'm great. I'm glad to be with you. Thank you very much for having me on.
0: Uh, absolute pleasure, friends. I met Hayden by introduction of a good friend named Kelly Cullenberg, and Kelly studies what she calls the hydra. Have you heard her say that Hayden
1: yeah that's right uh, yeah, or the Kraken or any tentacular monster you can think of really did Did
0: you just say tentacular
1: that's a real word believe in her and monster wow. spectacular
0: and tentacular. <laughs> Kelly gave me my first exposure to. Finances and how they reach throughout the insurgency. Uh, for example, they fund so-called protests, enlisting dupes and looters through various technologies over myriad platforms at $15 an hour and with the added promise of health care coverage for the day. As I've said very many times, you can't get this messed up by accident. Mm-mm,
2: not at all. You're right.
0: <laughs> uh, it's just amazing. Uh, Hayden, before we get into... Your work, I always like to better understand how our guests come to their faith and to their particular corner of the battlefield because what I really want Christians to know is that we're all made differently. And as long as we're functioning in the truth and as long as we're open to the truth and accountable to that truth, as long as we're looking to God in all things, then He will move us around the battlefield until we find that place that's uniquely ours. And then as we turn to Him each day through the Holy Spirit, with Jesus' protection, we'll do our good work. So how did you come to Jesus and then eventually to this place on the battlefield?
1: Sure. Well, I actually did not grow up uh, in a Christian family. My, my, I come from a family that would probably call itself um, agnostic. Grew up in Southern California, which you know has a lot of um, what passes, I, w- I would call, shallow evangelical Christians, more concerned with um, pietism and outward works than they are actual inward righteousness. And I actually discovered Christianity really when I was going to college, and it had nothing to do with any of my professors or anything like that. It was that I I spent two summers living with my grandparents, and my grandparents, especially my grandfather, taught me uh, to look at Genesis. He challenged me on any view I had about how the world was created and, and the condition of humankind and evolution and big questions like this. And it really forced me to actually confront uh, the Word and take it seriously and, and maybe realize that I had all these preconceived notions about who God is and what this religion is really about and the truth contained in the Scriptures that I had never actually bothered to read them and justify those, those views. And, you know, it took some years of doing this. Um, I, I really didn't – I wasn't a Christian yet. I, I didn't understand who Christ is. I didn't understand really what um, – what his, his redemptive work on the cross was about. I didn't get any of that. But I was working in politics in Sacramento, capital of California, working a number of political races for some Republican um, Party members and lost my, uh, I worked through the 2016 election, lost my job just two or three days after the 2016 election because Republicans just didn't do very well out there. And I was out of a job for about four months it also happened to be the rainiest time in California in living memory, so it was this very dark and depressing <laughs> time where I had a lot of time to do nothing but read the Word. And I would started going to church, and I wasn't really sure about what I wanted to believe in, what, it, what, what really made sense to me, but, but I kept trying to f- delve into the New Testament. It didn't make a lot of sense to me. I tried delving into the Old Testament, though, and that made a lot of sense. And I think it's because I understood more and more that, you know, if there's – a created order, and, and that means there's something true about that order, that, that there's um, you can find the marks of, of a creator and all of his creation. That means there has to be some kind of law that governs it. And if you violate that holy law, then there has to be consequences, right? I mean, that's how we model our entire society. But that didn't really translate into heaven or redemption to me. So I started to really understand sin, but... I didn't understand my need to be for grace and need to be justified from that sin. And as I kept reading through Genesis and the rest of the Pentateuch and through Ecclesiastes and all sorts of, you know, the really fun books that most people like to gloss <laughs> over, it convicted me that, wow, you know what, I am a sinner. I, am, I, I started going to a Reformed church where they use the phrase total depravity, which I know a lot of people are very much offended by, but it, it struck a chord with me that you know, These are people who are not afraid to speak the truth to me, and it, it really contrasted with a lot of the big megachurches that I had gone to as a younger person, and they just didn't seem interested in questions of sin and redemption and, and who you really are as a human being. They were more interested in therapy, in, in ways to manage your finances and things like that that are perfectly fine, but that's not the core message of Christ and Christianity. That's a message of redemption. It's not a message about how we are supposed to live our lives in order to avoid hell. It's a message of how we can be justified so that we are no longer enemies of a holy God. And that comes through you know, the blood of Christ. It comes through his saving work on the cross. Anyway, I was going through all of this and really wrestling with these big questions. And my father said, I, after four months of trying to find a job in politics where there were none – He basically bought me a a one-way ticket to Washington, D.C., and said, "Go find something (laughs) out here. And I did. I came out here here, with a hat in hand and and quickly found a job. And it was amazing. The minute I moved here, it's like the scales fell from my eyes. I found a a wonderful church and and realized, okay, I understand who Christ is. And I went to my pastor back in California, and I asked him to baptize me, because I'd never been baptized. And he actually refused me at first. And I was a little offended by that. Why won't you baptize me? I want to do this. And he said, because I don't know that you really understand that when we say that Christ died for our sins, that he really covered all of those sins. And I really I pontificated on it for a long time. And after I moved out here, I, I suddenly understood what he meant. I was desperately trying to add my own works to his finished work. And I, I didn't even realize it because I thought it was just too easy. I thought it was too simple. There's no way it can be so simple as, Jesus dies for my sins. And he, he all but, you know, verbally slapped me and said, that's the problem. You don't understand the significance, the weight of those sins if you think that it's a small thing for the Son of God to die for you, to die to give you a place in heaven. And so that's, that's really what just changed my life. And um, coming out here, and you know, it's, it's, I met my wife soon after that, and we, we got married soon after that. I married into a wonderful Christian family and found an excellent church. And um, it really led me from just a, a period of tremendous darkness that I see that the Lord used to make me a believer and to convict me of that sin and really show me who his son is and show me that, that loving grace that he has extended to me. Um, and so I took that almost immediately into my work here for the Capital Research Center. So a little background of what we are, CRC Studies funding of political groups, specifically on the left. We've been around since the early 1980s, and our specialty is really tracing the big dark money donors, the big mega donors. Most people know George Soros and the Ford Foundation, but there are hundreds, maybe thousands of people just like that, billionaires, large foundations worth hundreds of millions of dollars that prop up big activist groups and environmentalist groups and labor unions on the political left that pass all this legislation and push these policies that most people really wouldn't support if they were put out in the open. And wow. our specialty is trying to unearth all of that. Um, and we're the only organization I know in the United States that focuses specifically on that niche, but it's a very powerful area that connects us to almost every group on the conservative and libertarian side.
0: it's yeah, so a very it, it tentacular really... area also.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it was easy for me to apply my, my faith to all of that because it's, it's about finding – Darkness, finding, exposing it, you know, un, unmasking the enemy. It's it's been easy for me to to see that as a as a direct parallel because, frankly, I, I spent a lot of time reading left wing literature and and trying to get into the minds of how the other side thinks. And I'll tell you, there's a, there's no shortage of darkness.
0: And there's no they're, they're there's lost. no uh, there's no way to figure out what they think because there's no ideology behind it because the truth of the matter is it's an ideology of convenience, which doesn't propose anything of its own. It just proposes the opposite of whatever God proposes. And when we come back from the break, we are going to talk a little more to Hayden Ludwig, who is so beautifully positioned on the battlefield with a heart for Jesus and the good that he can do. And he is a testimony of God's amazing work, and we'll talk about that when we come back. Stay with us. Hello,
2: everyone. This is Christy Stratton. As you may know, I'm host Richard Mendelow's wingman. You might wonder what a wingman is here on Courageous Christianity. It means I'm here to support the host of the show in our efforts 800-4940. And for a donation of $25 or more, we will send you a signed copy of Richard's book, "Right Makes Might, 40 Days to Courageous Christianity. You will absolutely love this devotional, and it will help you to become more equipped in your walk as a courageous Christian. If texting isn't a fit for you, you can also donate by going to CourageousChristianity.today. So text to donate to 281 or go to CourageousChristianity.today. Friends, thank you. We are so very grateful for your listenership and for your support.
0: Friends, welcome back. We have Chad Strader playing us in again. As I've said before, Chad Strader is doing all of the music for the show. And if you like him, which I'm sure you do, he can be found at Apple Music, Chad Strader. And Christy and I are talking with Hayden Ludwig from the Capital Research Center. And Hayden studies dark money, which sounds incredibly ominous, and I'm sure is even more on, ominous when you know it as Hayden does. Hayden, can you explain dark money to us?
1: Sure, yeah. Well, I mean, somebody said that dark money is any spending on political issues that the left doesn't like. But, you know, you could <laughs> even just say it's, it's Money that can't be traced back to the original donors coming through, we call them 501C 4 nonprofits, but they're just their advocacy groups that support policy and push for lobbying on various issues and stuff like that. And there's, there's just billions and billions of dollars of it out there that most people have never heard about these, these mega donors that are able to you know, dramatically affect the outcome of elections and policies, um, and they're never even known. Nobody even hears about their names.
0: What do you suppose motivates them?
1: Well, I think they really, for guys like George Soros and stuff, I don't know his thoughts. I can't be in his head, but I would think they'd want to remake the United States in their own image. I think they have an idea of this is a, a, either a deeply flawed or just a, simply an evil country, and they, they really want to rebrand it. They want to take away its actual foundation and, and give it a, you know any number of different things, secular foundation, socialist
0: foundation
1: they're just they're, they don't like what they see when they look at, across the this the uh, scape of american history
0: that's so sad because for the most part those progressive policies are what we see failing all around us and then like socialism communism marxism all of those isms that are just failing in abundance they're just going to keep trying at expecting a different result and so uh you know what i was thinking about one time i was praying And God spoke to me in such plain English, and he said, religion uses my laws to steal power, and politics uses man's laws to steal power. And I think what you're saying is interesting. It's all about these people grabbing for power so as to uh, see themselves in everything around them. It's an amazingly prideful, narcissistic, and hollow It's
2: really eye opening as Hayden, I heard you say, remake us in our, in their own image. Uh, That may not, may have not been the exact words, but in their image, not in God's image.
0: Right. So it's like, I want to see more of me. Yeah. Now, I don't know. I want to see less of me.
2: I know. Me too. Well, I, in many ways. <laughs> I've got fewer and fewer
0: mirrors in my know, house right? because here I think I'm six foot five with a full head of hair. And then I walk <laughs> past a mirror and I'm like, oh, not that guy again. Um, so, Hayden, you said that dark money influences everything uh, to include elections. And wow. So if I were to ask you, why does it matter? How would you answer that?
1: Well, I would say that people have a right to know, you know, how they have a right to transparency to some degree in their elections. And it's, it's a tricky business because, you know, my organization supports donor anonymity and privacy under the First Amendment. I can give you an example why. You can go all the way back to the Revolutionary War, and a lot of people will recognize the name Publius, or maybe not, but Publius, which is just a series of articles that were pro-patriot, they were for the United states to to um get get its independence from Great Britain, but they were obviously a pseudonym. It was somebody writing anonymously because they feared what I mean repercussions if they gave out their name there's a good reason that privacy needs to be an option for people who want to support the kind of political causes um you know that they believe in without fear of let's just say antifa coming after them or something like that, right. But there's a limit to what that is. I mean, when you have large foundations that can, that can support all sorts of advocacy groups, um, and you're not able to trace that money back to its origin, and it's tax-deductible. I mean, it's tax-exempt, too, for these organizations to simply operate. It presents all these big problems. And the reason I think it's a big problem is the left has, in my experience, the left has basically weaponized the traditional American understanding of why we have a big not-for-profit sector. You, know, you can go back a couple hundred years and find that Americans, when they need to solve big social problems, they create, um, they create nonprofit groups. They create civic groups. They create committees. They don't let the government handle it. They take care of it themselves. They band together as private citizens. And the American government has kind of rewarded that. I mean, 100 years ago is when the income tax came in. And that's why we got tax exemption as part of the income tax agreement. And it was codifying this understanding that, look, we're a country that depends on private citizens to be charitable instead of asking the government to do everything. So we're going to reward that by giving you a tax bonus, basically, a deduction when you make a donation to these groups like a church or any other kind of 501c3 group that we're all familiar with. But the left takes advantage of that to politicize these groups and use that kind of goodwill to affect elections and to lobby for policies that they they know wouldn't be popular if they presented them to the average person out there.
0: It's amazing the way all of these things are politicized. So that show a couple weeks ago on information operations, uh, they want to command information. They want to deny uh, information to those who oppose them. And everything is just politicized. Uh, Went out to dinner last night, and before we had even sat Mm. down, the owner Mm. of the restaurant had told us all of his opinions about President Trump. And I'm thinking to myself, I just want the garlic shrimp. (laughs) uh, And I know that that's going to leave a bad taste in my mouth after I eat it, but I've already got the bad taste, and I didn't even have the garlic shrimp yet. So it's amazing to me how pervasive, how manipulative and keep in mind it's all politics all politics seeks to uh seeks its piece of power and what i hate is as with all politics there is uh the people who are caught in the middle you know uh i think about the last century which was a century of various uh marxist communist socialist dictatorships And each of them had their bullies to silence opposition. So Mussolini had the black shirts. Hitler had the brown shirts. uh, Stalin had his goons. We have Antifa. And the irony is the same people who say let's have respectful dialogue are the same people who deny respectful dialogue. And so what you're saying, if I'm understanding correctly, is people use money uh, as a bully pulpit. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, I, I think that's a good way to do it. Uh, most people think money is the end, but I actually see money as the means to the end, and the end is always power or control or call it what you like. I think the reason that we find the uh, Dr. Seuss being canceled and all these different things that are just continually horrifying to you know normal people is because we're, we're discovering that too – Leftists, and i don't mean you know your your average left-leaning or liberal person i mean hardened doctrinal leftists who are schooled in marxist thinking that politics is their religion i mean it's everything to them it's why you can't imagine being a christian and not having your faith influence or affect any part of your life i mean we're not compartmentalizing our beliefs that way right it, not not if you're a serious christian well a serious leftist does the same thing you know i actually think it's important that people understand that when they're dealing with ardent leftists, you know, your average Antifa person, right, or the leadership of Black Lives Matter, radical organizations, right, that you're dealing with somebody who speaks like a zealot, right, not somebody who's looking for um, evidence to shape their thinking, but somebody who's speaking with, with a kind of, um, no, I have, I, I have a conviction, a religious conviction about this thing, and I'm going to defend it to the nth degree. Um, I even find this in things like environmentalism. You, you often find the rhetoric starts with, well, you're pro-science and I'm anti-science, but give it about two minutes and it devolves into belief and feeling, and I'm you know i convicted of this and consensus. and Well, those aren't scientific words. Those are words you find in theology. And it's important for people to understand what sphere they're really talking about so that when you go into a conversation, you can't expect to necessarily convince uh, a, a diehard doctrinal Marxist of the errors of their thinking if you're, if you're expecting they're just looking for facts and they're a little bit confused. There's an agenda behind that, and there's a reason they're pushing that agenda.
2: Well, and it concerns me as I draw back to your story, Hayden. You had talked about having preconceived notions, and you had a grandfather that challenged your beliefs. There's Our young people today uh, aren't necessarily challenged in their beliefs. And so these zealots can take, you know, their information. Uh, I use politics as their religion. And so if you don't have clear notions, their preconceived notions, uh, then, then you become a part of that without even any, any challenge. You, you don't have your own thinking is what concerns me.
0: Well, yeah. If you think about uh bullying, these people want to remove everybody's megaphone who doesn't agree with them. Right. So it reminds me of the reason why they don't want us to study history. Yeah. And you speak about young people and young people have no comparator in life, in experience, and now in history because history is being rewritten. And so I study history. And if you look at all of these revolutions of the last century, Uh, people may not have the historical objectivity to consider the revolution of this present century. But if you look at the last century, when the communist revolution in China was losing steam, Mao turned to young people. He turned students against teachers. He turned young people against their parents. And it was very uh, easy for him to do. And so if you manipulate information and if you manipulate history, now you can tell these gullible people who have no uh, experience against which to compare things that this is the truth. And by the way, they're already predisposed to listen to anybody who says the opposite of what their parents say. Right. <laughs> and uh, so it's kind of a, a a marriage made in Mike. Can I say hell? Yes. Yes. It's <laughs> kind of a marriage made in hell and it's a, a very sad manipulation And there's a lot at stake because we are a nation under God, and we have a history of sacrifice and contribution to the world around us, and we are a beacon of freedom, even at our worst. I don't see anybody else running to the sound of the guns around the world. And so this conversation with Hayden Ludwig is so important to talk about money and funding evil, and when we come back, we're going to continue. Please stay with us.
2: Here's this week's So What Are We Reading. We believe that a part of what helps us in our walk as courageous Christians is reading. And so we're taking a moment during each show to share what we are reading and how it's helping us in the hope that it will help you. First and foremost, we are always reading the Bible, and we truly encourage you to always start there. And next, we hope you'll be reading with us, Right Makes Might, 40 Days to Courageous Christianity. And yes, it's by the host of Courageous Christianity, Richard Mindelo. And now you can get your complimentary copy. Thank you to KKHT for featuring Richard's book on KKHT.com with a book giveaway. Want to read along with us? Get your complimentary book by going to KKHT.com. Look for and click the 40 Days to Courageous Christianity image on the homepage. Enter some easy info and KKHT will take care of the rest. The book is a 40-day devotional for those who seek to become Christian warriors. It's about heart, faith, courage, and truth. Richard brings his experience as a colonel in the Marines and as a Jew who believes in Christ to the readings. You'll hear Richard's courageous love of Jesus in every word. At the end of the 40 days, with God's help, you will have experienced a transformation. You will have learned how to speak about your faith more, how to pray more, and how with God's help to stand your ground more firmly, all while leading people to a decision about their eternal souls. You will be a Christian warrior and a guardian of the faith. So make sure to get your complimentary copy by going to KKHT.com. Look for and click the 40 Days to Courageous Christianity image on the homepage. Enter your info and KKHT will get you your copy. We want to hear your thoughts about the devotional. So please let us know at our Facebook or Instagram pages by searching Courageous Christianity. And to learn more about our ministry efforts, Go to today, And as always, if you want to reach us, you can email us at CourageousChristianity at gmail.com. Our beloved A.W. Tozer says, the things you read will fashion you, slowly conditioning your mind. We pray that in this next week, you will be reading the things that will condition your mind as a Courageous Christian warrior.
0: Friends, you're listening to Courageous Christianity, and Christy and I are talking to Hayden Ludwig about dark money. And the word that comes to me is insidious, and I think it's such a brilliant word, uh, kind of like I love the word obfuscation, which we all know, and Christy's going to laugh at me, but insidious. This is the definition. I just looked it up. Defined as a gradual and cumulative effect, subtle but with harmful effects intended to entrap. Mm. So, for example, Hayden described dark money as tentacular, i.e. having tentacles. And its nasty tentacles are into everything that the insurgency is pushing on us. And so if you look at the lines of operations that they use, they target family, they target marriage, they target children, they target education, they target politics, they target rule of law. By trying to have precedents set in court and things going to the Supreme Court that undermine the Constitution, which, by the way, is founded on the Bible. So they truly do have their tentacles into everything from tearing down statues to trying to rewrite history. And uh, we have to be circumspect. And so, Hayden, dark money, where else does it focus
1: well, I think one of the names that would come to mind is Mark Zuckerberg. Um, a lot of people may have heard of the Center for Technology and Civic Life, or CTCL. This is a group that's in the news right now because Mark Zuckerberg, the famous Facebook founder and billionaire, poured $350 million into this really sleepy little group that nobody had ever heard of before the 2020 election. And he did this just in the months leading up to November. And where did this all money this money go? Well, my organization spent about a month trying to trace as many of these grants as we could. We looked at eight different battleground states, North Carolina and Texas and Virginia, places like that and we found thousands of grants totaling tens of millions of dollars from that 350 million dollars flowing to county elections officials. And the idea they were saying, is to make sure everybody's safe to vote during COVID-19. But the problem is, is this also encouraged the kind of um, vote by mail problems that open the door to just unprecedented levels of fraud. I'll give you an example. We found a $10 million grant from CTCL going to Philadelphia. And we found a contract for this grant It stipulates that the city of Philly has to purchase so many, and they call them, quote, uh, secured drop boxes and place them around the city. Well, I saw these in Washington, and they're huge. They're like eight-foot-tall, big boxes and carry probably hundreds of different ballots. The key thing is they're not run by the county. They're run by a private group. And so the idea was people can go and drop off their ballots, which is fine so they don't have to go into polling places. But that also means they don't have to show their ID when they go to vote. If they're harvesting ballots, they can drop any number of ballots into this private collection bin. I mean, problems like this, you can see where this would open the door to fraud and I'm not an election lawyer but I've had election lawyers tell me because this isn't a post office box it's a private bin that that actually would not count as mail fraud so you can basically make it easier for people to cheat in the election if they're going to cheat in the election and that was all paid for by a billionaire
0: Hmm. Wow Uh, I'm at a loss for words I know me too it's, it's it's painful you, uh, you know what's funny is if what people are doing doesn't make sense to you, then you have to question the lens through which you're looking. And so uh, what I'm slowly formulating here is this idea. If you're acting in a way that doesn't make any sense, I normally assume that you're nutty because I assume you want the same things as I do. But now the nuttiness has gone on so long, I have to take a step back and say, maybe he doesn't want what I want. Maybe he doesn't want uh, a capitalism which floats all boats, which lifts people up, in which everybody uh, contributes. Maybe he really does want uh, people to be sidelined uh, in various different ways. It's heartbreaking because if what you're doing doesn't make sense, I got to start asking some questions.
2: I think it goes back to what you said, the insidious, um, and that definition. I mean, it just, wow.
0: Yeah. That's going to become my new word, (laughs) subtle, but with (laughs) harmful effects intended to entrap these policies, which entrap freedom, which entrap opportunity, which entrap truth.
2: And it's very dark. So therefore not light, therefore Right. Know, not the truth, not light.
0: And guess what? It takes money. Yeah. Wow. Hayden, you are on the tip of the spear with this. What else? Uh, tell us. Give us another example, please.
1: Well, I'll tell you how, why this matters still, because even if you can just forgive one election where this, where this happened a devastating effect, and, I, and I'll point out, by the way, we did find it had devastating effect. You can find that, um, well, I'll give you an example in Arizona. If you look at Arizona, about three-fifths or three-to-four-fifths of all Arizona voters live in one county, Maricopa County, centered on Phoenix. Well, that got a huge dump of, we call them Zuck bucks, right, from CTCL. And all this money came in, and we saw that um, Joe Biden's numbers on the Democratic side were boosted to historic levels, never seen – no presidential contender has ever gotten the kind of numbers that he got in Arizona after getting this infusion of – CTCL cash from Mark Zuckerberg. Now you can look at this and you can say, fine. If the goal is to get more people to go out and vote, you know that's that's not something most people would have a problem with. But if your goal was, let's just say, targeting places where you know a lot of Democrats voters live in order to help the Democrat running for president win, in other words, you had a partisan goal, your strategy would look almost identical to what CTCL actually did. So I, I'm just trying to illustrate the point that. This is, this is politics by any other name that if it was out in front of people done through, say, like a campaign, well, that would be one thing. You'd expect that. You'd celebrate it. Well, they did a good job. But they call it philanthropy. And I don't know anybody on the street that would, would call getting people to the polls to vote an act of charity. They'd say, well, that's, that's fundamentally political. But that's kind of my broader point here is that, is that the left takes words that we use charitable and philanthropic, and it twists them to suit their needs because their, their goal really isn't promoting, I'd say, more uh, civic engagement as the term they like to use, or participation. I think their goal is really creating um, all of the, the laws, the, the policies that create a kind of permanent left-wing majority in state legislatures in the Congress and the White House because they don't really believe in elections. They believe in power and control. That's my opinion. But I think it sure stacks up to their behavior. Because if that's what your goal is, creating a permanent majority, you'd basically do everything that the left does every election cycle.
2: So, Hayden, um, thinking about our listeners out there, maybe this is the first time they've they've ever heard uh, this um, happening. You know... The show is courageous Christianity. What would you say to a listener out there, one person? What could they do to help um, stand in the truth in this situation?
1: Well, I think um, pursuing the truth always starts with unmasking lies. You know, I think um, so. You could donate to the Capital Research. <laughs> one thing. No, but in all seriousness, though, I, I I think that we have to. We can't be fooled by these things. Uh, in the last segment, we talked about children being corrupted to, to believe lies. Well, well, why is that? It's because the bulwark in this country and all of Western civilization has always been the family. I mean, I was taught in school that the basic unit of, of Western civilization is the individual, but that's not really true. It's the family. The family is, is something we find in Christianity. It's Christianity's contribution to how societies are ordered. And our parents are not teaching young people that you're going to encounter difficult questions. You're going to be told, for instance, that global warming is going to destroy the whole world in 12 years, and you're self-centered if you don't want to act on it. You're going to hear things like this, and they're not going to probably present the other side, the skeptical side, our side, the conservative side, you might even say. So you need to understand that you have to be equipped to expect that people will tell you half truths, They'll tell you outright lies. But the truth is out there. You have, to be, you have to pursue it, and you have to work at it. It won't come easily to you. you know, wisdom is something that takes years to accrue. But don't be fooled right away just because somebody's told you something that you've never heard before. But that also means it's incumbent on parents to start teaching kids before they go off to college that you're going to have people challenge your worldview. And it's not enough to simply say, well, just trust that I'm your father or your mother, and I'm, what I'm telling you is true. You have to teach them to think for themselves. In other words, equip them to go out on this spiritual battlefield and perceive the truth and perceive what's a lie. Otherwise, they'll be gullible, and they're, and they're fodder for for people whose interests are not, they're not righteous, they're not just.
0: It's interesting uh, that you bring that up. When I was first in flight school down in uh, Corpus Christi, I did an emergency procedures trainer in the simulator, and I had this instructor uh, and after the, all of these different emergency procedures were uh, over with, uh, I got out of the simulator and I said to him, how'd I do? And he said, fine. And I said, what would you have done differently? And he says, I don't want to tell you. And I said, well, why? And he said, I want you to use your judgment. And I said to him, judgment is based on experience and I don't have any experience, so I'm asking you about your judgment. I understand that it's very difficult for our children because the filter through which they pour information has been so distorted and there are such massive holes. And those holes didn't occur by accident. They were poked there by special interests using special money. And so now as they try and filter what they see, the lies from the truth, they have difficulty. And so I go to scripture which says all scripture is God-breathed and is suitable for training and rebuking and chastisement and righteousness so that the servant of God will be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so what we have to remember is that there is one truth. It belongs to the creator of the universe. It is the filter through which we pour everything, whether we have experience or judgment or not. It's the starting place for everything. And if it doesn't line up and if it doesn't make sense, then it's not right. Because God loves you and he told us what's right. And we're going to talk about that again in the next segment. Stay with us. Friends, it's Richard, the host of Courageous Christianity. In addition to donations, sponsorships also help to keep us on the air and sustain our ongoing efforts. We'd love for you to join us in this mission. If you own a Christian business or an entrepreneur, or it's on your heart to support our efforts, sponsorship opportunities are available. You'll have the chance to have your message heard during each show and much more. If you want to join us in our mission to equip Christian warriors for the spiritual battlefield and support us with your sponsorship, contact us at 281-656-1833 or email us at CourageousChristianity at gmail.com. Contact us today to apply, as there are some requirements. So give us a call at 281-656-1833 or email us at courageouschristianity at gmail.com. We're grateful for your listenership and for your support. I'm never really sure when Mike is going to choose this song for our music to come back in with. And it, it always just calms me and helps center me in the knowledge that this fight is the Lord's. And we come to him each day and we report for duty and we say, Thank you, Father, for calling me and for the honor of being able to fight under your banner. How may I serve you today? And we do that with the power of Jesus and we're supposed to do it in love. So we're having a difficult conversation and we're saying a lot of very strong things. But what we have to remember as Christians is that even when people are perpetrating distasteful things, it's not them who's perpetrating it. According to Paul, it's the devil within them and it's the devil. And our walk and our difficult walk as Christians is to Walk in the faith first, speak it in love second, and then know that we're all in darkness but for the grace of God. So you're back with us on Courageous Christianity, and we're talking to Hayden Ludwig about the tentacular uh, obfuscations of the devil through his dupes and the puppet masters who try and orchestrate their prideful campaign of misleading. And Hayden, there's one other one that I've heard about that we haven't talked about so far, and it's creation care. And I think that might give us a good insight into how far-reaching these plans are. Can you explain that to me?
1: Creation care is really it's a, it's a deception movement to try and take just standard environmental ideology global warming ideology that is you know the world is going to end in 10 to 15 years because it's carbon dioxide is going to kill us all and it's humanity's fault tries to take that and it rebrands it as biblical and it gives it this this scriptural mandate and the, the campaign is really organized by seriously secular organizations groups that are not don't call themselves christians don't have any pretense at being even religious in the, in the strongest sense. But they, they create sermons, they create all sorts of things to try and get evangelical leaders to buy off on what is essentially an ideology at war with what the Bible has to say. And I got to go back to why it's even a problem. It's because the Bible has a very clear things to say about who God is, what, what the earth is, God created this planet, he created human beings in his image, and we are sinful because we've, we fell under Adam and Eve by, by choosing to rebel against him. But this is ultimately a, a good created order, if, even if human beings are fundamentally sinful, need to be redeemed from that. But environmental ideology looks at it the opposite. It says there is no God, so there's nothing created, and human beings aren't fundamentally sinful, they're just plain evil. Only the earth is really good, and so human beings become this kind of plague upon the earth. And if you think about that, what that leads you to believe in is it leads you to believe that we need to control the numbers of people we have on this planet. Um, you, it leads you to basically believe in population control, and that can be abortion. You know, 100 years ago it was eugenics, it can be all sorts of, um, you know, racist policies to create racial supremacy in, in cultures. All sorts of things that you can you can follow from this basic idea that says what Genesis has to say about human beings is fundamentally wrong, and we want to we see man as just just evil, nothing to do with redemption, but just kind of endlessly working in a kind of sick penance. Well, they're trying to take this and make it Christian, teach it in the churches, and they call it creation care. And when you hear that phrase, you should know this isn't something you're going to get good. Um, biblical teaching, when you hear this, you're going to be hearing something that basically any activist in the Sierra Club or Greenpeace would agree with.
0: Wow. Friends, uh, I hope you're hearing this one thing, as Hayden explains, and that is, don't take anybody's word for what it says in the Bible. You have to go read it yourself. You have to go read it because not only will God speak to you through the Holy Spirit as you're reading it, but you'll hear it from the horse's mouth, so to speak, and you can't trust anything else. And what I heard as Hayden was speaking about that is Jesus's conversation with the Pharisees when they were questioning uh, the apostles' conduct on the Sabbath. And Jesus said that the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. And so we have a religious perversion, which would tell us elsewise. And in the same way, this earth was made for man, not man for this earth. And so, of course, it is appropriate that we uh, take care of our home and take care of this planet and appreciate the things God has made, but not that it be twisted by people who are seeking political uh, enrichment or the gain of power. And so Hayden, as we move toward the end, uh, any final thoughts for our listeners?
1: (laughs) I think sometimes I'm the bearer of bad news because I talk about, you know the horrors of dark money and creation care and things like that and I, I will tell you sometimes it gets overwhelming when you spend all this time studying the mind of very godless lost people who who want to do a lot of damage to the things you believe in but I'll tell you though the thing that, that makes me move forward and all your listeners should should feel too is that this isn't really our war it's not really our battle it's not really my efforts that are going to see the truth prevail it's the lord's battle and if you understand human history is not a a history of just people or even the United States or anything like that. It's a history of the church and it's a history of God's glorious redemption of his people and conquest over Satan, the enemy. Uh, Then you'll understand that we're just instruments in his holy hand. And no matter how overwhelming the tide of evil may seem, that darkness will not prevail because it's already lost.
0: Wow. Mm. Friends, that is the truth. You heard it here and it takes us happily to our moment of truth as we move into the final moments of the show. As you know, in every show we have a moment of truth where we look at Scripture, which informs our discussion, and we do this to remind ourselves that God's Word is our first refuge, that it's always relevant, and that it never fails. And what you've just heard Hayden say is so important. This battle belongs to the Lord, and we know that by Scripture. And we also know by Scripture... Our moment of truth today from Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will, pouring everything through that filter. So friends, we talked about information operations uh, two weeks ago, and we said that once you have proven censorship of Christian content, you have explicitly proven that someone does not want people to know the truth of God. And then you must ask who that someone is. And just as what is censored tells you what the insurgency does not want you to hear, so what is not censored tells you what they do want you to hear. It is about conforming you to the world, and it happens little by little in insidious, tentacular fashion. Let me repeat that. What do they want you to know, and what do they want you not to know? And I'll share a secret. They do not want you to know the truth of God, and that is why reading your Bible is your first act of war as a warrior. Their efforts to conform you to the world are insidious, they're subtle, and with harmful effects. And once you understand this, again, you must ask who is behind it. And that's what's behind Hayden's work uh, at the center studying who is behind it, because you can't fight until you know who you are fighting. And that brings us to our quote of the day, which covers it brilliantly from the movie, All the President's Men, which I'm sure Mike loves because he loves older movies and or experienced movies or however we're supposed to say that nowadays. (laughs) But Hal Holbrook's character in All the President's Men told us, follow the money. The rule for understanding who's behind political corruption has always been Follow the money and make no mistake. It is about corruption and more specifically corrupting God's plans. Politics is about the distribution of power at the highest level. Satan wants God's power to get it. He attacks God's people and that's us. And just as God uses people to do his will, Satan uses people to do his and we see his dupes hard at work every day. They brought you the Holocaust because it targeted God's chosen the Jews. They bring you abortion even though it targets the most vulnerable lives, which also matter. And they have brought you the current insurgency, which targets our nation under God, everything God values and all the good that we can each do. Following the money helps us to understand who they are and knowing who they are helps us to understand how to fight them. Ask who supports the things which are not censored, the things which are advertised, the things which are held up as good by the world. And you will know who they are. For example, who supports abortion? Organizations, nonprofit entities, and companies which support progressive lies are part of them. They're accomplices. Avoid them. Issues which are forced down your throat on the pretend news and in TV commercials are part of their narrative. Be skeptical. It's critical to know your enemy. Sun Tzu said, If you know the enemy and know yourself, you need not fear the result of a hundred battles. If you know yourself but not the enemy, for every victory gained, you will also suffer a defeat. If you know neither the enemy nor yourself, you will succumb in every battle. So who is the enemy? Follow the money and you will know. The devil pulls their strings. Their fingers are in every pie. Make no mistake about it and don't be naive. Your financial choices matter. Support what's good. Deny what's bad. Be careful that you do not support them. And who are we? We are sons and daughters of the Most High God and Creator of the universe. We're specially made for such a time as this, and we must understand that we each have a critical job to do, and we must do that job with an understanding of the context of our faith. That context is spiritual warfare and secular insurgency. Your faith is much more than what you do for an hour on Sunday. It is the combat power that you bring against the forces of darkness each and every day in the choices you make. It is what you value what you believe is true, where you spend your time, how you spend your money, and that for which you are willing to sacrifice, and that is Courageous Christianity. I'd like to thank our guest, Hayden Ludwig, from the Capital Research Center. Hayden, thank you to you and your colleagues. Your work is so critical.
1: Thanks for having me on.
0: Absolutely. Friends, thanks for joining Christy and me today. We hope you'll join us each and every week on 100.7 KKHT, The Word, at KKHC.com or on today where you can listen to previous episodes by podcast. We are honored to walk with you in Christ. God bless and semper fi.